Blog Talk Radio. That was the opening. I hope you heard that because I did not. It was just like a minute and 10 seconds of silence on my end of it. And it very possibly could have been on your end of it too. I don't know. I didn't hear it. I'm going to hit something else on my audio here just to see if I can hear it. Uh, Because, yeah, there it is. I can hear that. Let's see about this. I can hear that, too. Well, uh, for some reason, the introduction is not playing on our opening here. I have no idea why. It didn't do it last week, either, at least on my end. If it did on your end, good. I hope so. But I'm not hearing it. I'm hearing everything else here, but I'm not hearing the introduction. I'm baffled. But I have been baffled more than once on the stuff that happens on this show. We are back. This is All About Wine. It is November the 10th, 2022, 7.02 p.m. Eastern Time. We had a guest scheduled for tonight, Jody, but Jody contacted me and said she couldn't make it. She had something come up, so she will not be on tonight, but she rescheduled for December the 1st. So she will be on December 1st. So we have guests coming up in December. I think next week is nobody as of right now, although I have been corresponding with a bunch of people back and forth, trying to coordinate times that people can be on and times that also for me. Mike is still out, although the latest word is the house is repaired. Yay! Oh, wait a minute. The house is repaired. Uh, yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, we are happy with that, happy that he's got his house back and he's going to be moving back in. Although we had Nicole visit us today, uh, yesterday and today, Nicole, if you're not familiar, is the latest hurricane that came across. It hit in the, uh, Port St. Lucie, uh, that that area of the state that's on the east coast, south a little bit of where we are, and it came straight across at an angle headed right toward us. In fact, I think the eye, what was left of it, uh, went right over us here at uh, Newport Ritchie, uh, just north of Tampa, and on out so we're pretty much gone with it now it was pretty quickly moving and it moved northwest now and then it's supposed to take a big turn northeast and head up toward well actually georgia and the coast and go on up that way not expected to gain any strength in fact it's expected to be tore apart in all the land but we did get rain 
and we did get some wind and got a lot of branches and stuff. I thought everything was cleaned out of the trees from Ian. Uh, what was that, a month ago? I was wrong. There's still a bunch of stuff that was in the trees that got blown out with Nicole. So we're cleaning up after that. No major branches or anything around that I have noticed. I jumped out and picked up a couple of things at the store earlier, and I didn't see a whole bunch of big stuff, but an awful lot of little stuff, which is easy to clean up. Big stuff takes the chainsaw. Little stuff just takes a little bit of back work, I guess, more than anything. So it looks like we survived this well, and it looks like everything's okay, and we didn't lose the connections with the uh, Internet or any power loss or anything. So we survived it quite well. But we, back to the original point, I guess, was the fact of guests, trying to get hold of guests, trying to get people scheduled. And it's been a pain because we were out of connection for a while there and trying to get people on. And, uh, oh, the original point was Mike. Yeah, he um, uh, was right in the path of Nicole there again. Uh, the house is fixed. We got rain, but not a lot. I think they said two to three inches of across the state some places got up to four inches but in florida in a good hard summertime storm we get a bunch of rain like that anyway so it's not a big deal so mike is back in his house from what i understand and settling in and hopefully he'll be back with us next week i haven't got uh any word on his connections or anything else but i think it's coming soon so He'll be back with us uh, real soon here, but again, he can't make it this week, but hopefully uh, he'll be back real soon here. A few things to talk about tonight and uh, pass on to you. As always, uh, just a bunch of information that about the wine industry and uh, associated things that you might find useful and might find interesting and might find uh, beneficial for your daily life. Okay, here, let me adjust my headsets because they seem to be sliding around tonight. Okay, what have we got coming up in November? Veterans Day is tomorrow. Yes, we can't forget that. Veterans Day. Thank a veteran. Thank them for their service. Thank them for uh, putting it all on the line. It's always nice to, to get a thanks uh, from people. Uh, I'm a veteran, and I know that. And for all of you veterans out there, uh, people thank you. And sometimes it's an awkward moment because they thank you for your service and you don't know what to say. Well, I have found that a good response to that would be thank you for your support. And it seems to help a lot in getting uh, the good feelings reciprocated. So, just for what it's worth, if you are a vet, then uh, try that. So tomorrow, Veterans Day, and for all of you vets out there, there's a whole bunch of freebies in different places, uh, meals and coffees and all sorts of different things. So uh, check those out. Uh, we are we are a group now that is, again, being recognized. I was not when I got back from Vietnam. Actually, I got on when I got back from Vietnam because everybody coming back from Vietnam was a baby killer. You know, if you're old enough to remember, you know that stuff. But now 
we are recognizing the veterans for what they do and what they did. So that's good. I heard a bad statistic uh, really made me pause. It said since 9-11, there has been four times more veterans die by suicide than in any combat action. That's sad. That really is a sad comment uh, about everything. Uh, you, you know, if a veteran needs help, let's get it to him. I mean, there's a lot of them out there that are still struggling even years after being in. And I'm, I'm talking years and years. Vietnam veterans, there's, there's some that are still having problems uh, facing some realities and stuff. And we've got the Gulf War and all that stuff that... Uh, is hurting a lot of uh i think it's like 18 percent of the homeless people are veterans too uh 18 to 20 percent some scary numbers there so and that's a bet it uh, seems to hit close to home so again if you can help with that do so it's always appreciated everywhere and thank them for their service tomorrow veterans day and let's see what else Tuesday was election day. Hope you went out and voted, and uh, hope your candidate won, one that you wanted to see in all of your places and all of your races and all that. There's still a couple that aren't decided, I guess, out there. Uh, they're still going to be doing a another another runoff or something. I think in Georgia they're going to do another election. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Uh, I'm in Florida, and we didn't have anything that close, so I, I don't know how that works up there. Okay, so, uh, no guests tonight, like I said. Fri uh, Saturday is Wine Tourism Day. Uh, that's, uh, I guess, national, international, but Wine Tourism Day. If you get a chance, go to a winery. Tour it. That's what it's all about. Next, Wednesday, is Zinfandel Day. Either that or the 18th. I think it's the third Wednesday in November. So the 17th this year would be the third Wednesday in November. That is Zinvendel Day. And then Beaujolais Nouveau Day is the third Thursday of November. So that's uh, next week. Uh, if you go out and buy yourself a Beaujolais Nouveau, light, fruity Beaujolais. That's a new Beaujolais. So that's what it is. Uh, we talked about that a little bit last week about the the marketing and the genius of that marketing. Okay, let's see what else we got here. I, I didn't mention it last month. Banana Pudding Lovers Month is November. Gluten-Free Diet Awareness Month. National Diabetes Month is November. Uh, epidemic of diabetes in this country now. It's uh, unbelievable. I, I am diabetic, and I've talked to a lot of people, and I find that a lot of people are diabetic out there. Uh, it's uh, not a good thing. Although mine's very well in control, thank you. I, I seem to be doing quite well with my numbers. Uh, National Fondue Month, National Native American Heritage Month, National Peanut Butter Lovers Month, and National Pepper Month. Uh, green pepper, hot pepper, I don't know, but... You know, I'll even pepper and salt and pepper. I don't know. It's uh, but National Pepper Month. The uh, 
let's see what else we got. National Happy Hour Day is Saturday. Uh, okay, this is Sunday is National uh, Papusa. Is that how it's pronounced? P-U-P-U-S-A. Papusa. Pupusa. Uh, it's the national dish of El Salvador. And it is tortillas stuffed with meat, cheese, or refried beans. It sort of sounds like a burrito, doesn't it? You know, you drop a little cheese inside that with the meat. And, but pupusa, pupusa. Uh, Monday, World Diabetes Day. And Diabetes Month, and they're trying to make a awareness on Monday. Tuesday, National Clean Out Your Fridge Day. Uh, any wine sitting in there you haven't drank, drink it. Uh, Wednesday, National Indiana Day, as in the state of. And then next Thursday, National Hiking Day. My daughter's real big on hiking. She goes out all the time. Lives out in Colorado, uh, Colorado out in Utah. And uh, up by, well, actually in Ogden, north of Salt Lake City. And she's always hiking the hills and the mountains around there. So that's what's coming up on this next week. You can always find something. Some, and the reason I give you those is so that you have something to open a bottle of wine and drink to. Uh, you can drink to National Papusa Day. You can drink to National Happy Hour Day. Uh, there's all sorts of reasons to drink. So that's why I let you know what's coming up so that you can say, well, I'm I'm drinking to... National Diabetes Day, or whatever. It gives you your your own personal little excuse to drink on those days. Drink wine, I, and that's that's the purpose of it. Drink drink your wine on those days. Uh, okay, now let me put that away. Wine Spectator magazine came in. I don't know if you get it or not. You should, because it's a great magazine. It has a lot of interesting stories and a lot of interesting stuff in there. Um, but... Uh, those of you who don't, there was a, a good article in here, which, excuse me, which uh, we've talked about before in the past, and I've expressed my dismay about the possibilities, but it's coming up again here. It says the feds are exploring detailed wine labels. Yeah, you know. And the article says, should the label on a bottle of Pinot or Pilsner hold similar information to what's on the can of soda? And TTB, uh, not the Food and Drug Administration, as does, they're subject to different regulations than most foods and drinks. So the TTB is not requiring it, but the Food and Drug Administration, which requires it on a lot of other stuff, is there. Well, the TTB is looking at it. Uh, looking at labeling wine and possibly any alcoholic beverage with some of the stuff. But some of the vendors have resisted the labeling requirements, uh, saying that it uh, would impose an unreasonable economic and logistical burden, which I agree. I, I think it's, you know, I mean, putting all that stuff on there. Others think the transparency would help sell the wine. I don't know why. Uh, one person says, uh, Pasqueline LaPiltrier, who is a sommelier and co-owner of restaurants, chambers, and a couple of others in the Finger Lakes area, is saying that 
I want to know what I'm drinking, what's, and I want it to be put on the label. Well, you can tell that he is not a winemaker and doing all that stuff. I mean, you know, nutrition fact, they, they have had, and I'm going to editorialize for a moment here. They have had the discussion before on how to let people know what's in there. They have said you can scan the QR code uh, and It'll take you to the site, and you can see it then, or they can say you can scan the QR code. And all the little stuff that's in a wine, they're saying it would be absolutely ridiculous to try to get everything listed on there. But uh, TTP regulations now, <coughs> excuse me, TTP regulations now do not require to list all the ingredients. And if winemakers choose to do so, they must follow a tight set of naming rules and include all ingredients. You know, likewise, winemakers may voluntarily disclose nutritional information. And the TTB currently allows the use of many additives for treatment of wine and juice. Now, here we go. This is this is one of the things that this next bit of information, I think, is... One of the things that will cause pause when it comes to labeling everything. It says uh, some of these, such as egg whites for fining, tartaric acid, which is to achieve balance when acid in grapes is too low, and, and sulfur dioxide to, prefer, to preserve the finished wine, are familiar to passionate consumers. Okay, that's great, and that's wonderful, and I don't mind that for the passionate consumers. But when you start putting something on there contain egg whites, people are going to start going, oh, I'm allergic to eggs. I'm going to get all broken out. I can't drink this wine because it contains egg whites. Well, you know, it's used as a fining agent. What they do is they drop the egg whites at the top of the tank and let them float down to the bottom and pick up all the impurities and all the stuff in the wine and drag it down to the bottom. Then you rack off the wine from the top of that. You don't get any egg whites in it. You don't get anything, any impurities. You just clean out the wine. And I, I just, I, you know, I just think it's going to open up a can of words. I can't help but think that vegans and uh, those allergic to eggs and stuff like that will start avoiding wines if it, shows that in it. Now, you don't have to use egg whites. Yes, that's very true. You can use other stuff. But a lot of wineries do because it's cheap and easy. Well, eggs prices aren't so cheap anymore because of destroying so many chickens because of the avian flu. But it's still cheaper in other ways. And the same thing with uh, uh, tartaric acid and, and sulfur dioxide, which is sulfites. And it's it's a preservative, and people are familiar with it, and they already require that on the, every bottle of wine. We've seen it, and you know, it's people are always blaming everything on the sulfites in wine. You know, oh my gosh, I get headaches from the sulfites. Oh my gosh, look at the price of gas right now. It's sulfites in wine. It's just it's ridiculous. It really is. Well, okay, off my soapbox. Let me go on though. Those are the things that we're familiar with, and those are the ones that most people know about. But there are other things, such as 
dimethyl dicarbonate, which is shortened to DMDC, which is a sterilizing agent. And this is always a fun one. The polyvinyl polypyrrolidone. That's shortened to PVPP. And that is also a clarifying agent. And that's used a little bit more often, actually, than egg whites. So they, the Treasury Department uh, took a deep look at all these practices and released a report back in February that said competition in the markets for beer, wine, and spirits. And among its findings, the report asserted that the TTB should, quote, prioritize labeling rules that protect consumers and public health. Oh, well, they recommended. I mean, they didn't say you had to do this. They recommended. Uh, so the TTB announced potential rulemaking on three labeling issues. Ingredients, major allergens, and a statement concerning alcohol and nutritional content. All right. Now, you think, well, that's about time. We shouldn't need that stuff and all that. But at the time, no actual proposals were on the table. And so at various stages, uh, the public, including industry people and consumers, will be invited to comment and the TTB has taken similar steps before, but ended up not passing any changes. In fact, I remember they took this step about six years ago, seven years ago. Well, wow, more than that now, about nine years ago. Uh, they took this step about nine years ago. And, you know, different comments. I, I made comments and go to their website and make comments. I made some comments on different things. And we thought, okay, this is, this is what we're going to see in all this. And people made it. Nothing happened. That was the end of it. I don't know if they decided it was too much trouble. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they pulled it all up during an administration change or something. Uh, you know, but nine, ten years ago, it you know could be an administration change. I don't know. I really don't know. But I do know that nothing happened. And because nothing happened, everybody just sort of forgot about it. It wasn't any big deal. Well, they're going to do it again. Now, if anything happens now, who knows? It may or may not. So, does it help? Do you want more stuff on your on your label? I I, I don't know. I don't. I I, and, and I'm a little bit biased because I had a winery and thinking about having the all my labels and everything changed or redesigned or whatever. I, I think it's just too much. Uh, here is uh, uh, Maria Rivero Gonzalez, who is the CEO of RGNY, which is a Long Island producer, uh, says we as producers should be able to say what we use in our wines. She worries about the possibility that sometimes consumers don't have enough information to discern if an ingredient is good or bad. You know, which is a good point. You see something that says DMDC. Well, what is DMDC? And somebody says, well, that's dimethyl uh, decarbonate. 
it, it still doesn't help. You know, it's a sterilizing agent. Why do you need a sterilizing agent? Isn't the wine good? You know, I mean, it just, it, how much information do you have to put on there? How much are you going to leave it up to the consumer to do research and find out what GNBC means or PVPP? And if you say, well, you know, that's enough as long as it's on there, they'll do the research. But, you know, do your research now if you really want to know what's in the wine. Why do we have to put labels on it? to pique your interest and not just pique interest, but also to create problems in the fact that, oh, no, I can't drink this because it's got PVPP in it. Well, you know, I, I, I'm obviously I am not a fan of labeling wine. If you think differently, email me at allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. I, I'd like to hear you different arguments. I, I really would. Different people say they would love to see them on there. I've talked to people at the winery before. <coughs> Excuse me. i talked to different wineries about it and all that. Of uh, Consumers who are really not in the business and tend to like to see more on it uh, because that's what People want now. They want full disclosure. People who are in the business and almost all the steps tend to lean toward not so much information. The um, Pelter, who the heck is the Pelter on this article? I don't know. Says she's 100% wants to see ingredient labeling requirements. She says she stresses the need for labels to include not only ingredients, but also additives and what are often termed technological agents or treating materials. Now, how long do you want these labels to be? Um, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm looking, you know, what do you want on the label? Where do we stop? I mean, a glass of wine technically contains 150, 200, 250. I've heard, I've heard estimates as high as 350 different ingredients in one glass of wine. I mean, oh my gosh, are we going to have a list of all 350 trace ingredients? And no, we're not. It's not required in all the foods. I mean, you look at all the stuff in the foods and there's... Uh, there's, I'm sure, a lot more than that. And also, every year, the wine changes. Each vintage, you're using uh, you know, different amounts of stuff, so therefore, your numbers will change. So you're going to have to print a new nutrition label every year for every wine. And that gets expensive. I mean, labels... Bleh went up this year like three times the normal cost and you start doing that every year it's going to be ridiculous. I mean, labels are not cheap and so you're going to have to change the labels every year and each wine is going to have a different a nutritional value. I, don't, I, I am so against putting all this nutrition information on uh, on a label. I mean uh, what if a winemaker decides a few days before bottling that the wine would be better with a tartaric acid addition? Too late to put on the label. So the winemaker has to either make a poor quality wine 
and be legal or choose to make a better wine, which would then break the law. Hmm. Here's another concern. Ingredient labels are actually additive labels. You know, yeast would be listed as an ingredient even though it is filtered out of the final wine. And if a wine is naturally high in acid, which some consumers like, tartaric acid wouldn't appear on the label because the inventor wouldn't need to add any. Yeah, you know, it, it's just there. So many, so many variables. So many variables. I food products and the label on that. I have been to a lab that does research on different things for wine, and they also do labeling for food. And they said that they take a food and they break it down into certain parameters and set up their nutritional value based on those parameters. So they're not digging into it real deep. I mean, I suppose on wine, if you tell them that you want it within these parameters and that's it, then it will stop there. But where does the consumer want you to stop? Uh, you, or where does the TTB set their regs? Or the Food and Drug Administration, as far as that goes, do they want to stick their nose into it? Where, do, where are they going to say where to stop? I, well, you know how I feel on this. Here's a nutritional facts sample that they have on this. It says, nutritional facts, five servings per container, which is... Uh, a 750 bottle of wine. Serving size, 148 grams. Calories per serving, 150, which is about average, which is about right. Now, this is, I think, for a red wine here because white wines tend to be a little bit lower. Daily values, total fat, zero, percentage zero. Saturated fat, zero, percentage zero. Trans fat, zero gram, percentage zero. Cholesterol, zero milligrams, zero. Now, these are... Percentage daily value, zero. Sodium, seven milligrams, zero daily value. Total carbs, three grams. That's one percent of your daily value. Dietary fiber, zero. Sugars, three grams. That's six percent of your daily requirement. Protein, 0.1 gram. Again, zero daily. Vitamin B6, 5% of your daily value. B, vitamin C, 0. Calcium, 1%. Iron, 2%. Magnesium, 4%. The little box says the percentage daily value, DV, tells you how much a nutrient in a serving of food contributes to your daily diet. 2,000 calories a day is used for general nutritional nutrition advice and that is a little disclaimer on every nutritional label if you ever read it they always says that so you're getting out of you know you four percent of your magnesium that you need for the day two percent iron one percent calcium five percent b6 six percent sugars and that's it you, you know one percent carbs you're, you're pretty much done then a little ingredients box grapes it, the ingredients list grapes yeast oak sulfites tartaric acid there there's a simple label but 
you're saying, well, is is that all the ingredients in it? What about all this other stuff that's in there? And, and th- I, I, you know, if they do this, if they do come out with a nutritional facts label for wine, it's they're going to have to have really defined perimeters, really defined areas that they say, okay, you can do this, you can do that, you can do this, but you can stop and not do this and not do that. And you don't have to list this, you don't have to list that. And, you know, it, it's... And then again, like I say, it was about nine years ago we did the survey and all that, and it was shelved, and it just may be shelved again. You know, we may see this in the Wine Spectator magazine in November of 2030 could pop up again. Who knows? This is the way the industry works. All right, Whiskey Fest. If you are interested in the Whiskey Fest, the next one is in Las Vegas. And one that had three of them, one in San Francisco, October the 28th, one in New York City on November the 3rd. The next one is Las Vegas on December the 2nd. If you're into whiskey, I, I'm a scotch drinker myself. I really do enjoy scotch and a good single, single malt bourbon and single malt scotch. To me, those are, are my go-to drinks, but, uh, there's a lot of good ones out there. And this whiskey fest in Las Vegas contains a whole bunch of them. There, everybody, everybody who's anybody in the business is there pouring. So, if you are into whiskey and you're around Las Vegas, or you're going to be around, or you're looking at some place to go and you like whiskey, December the second in Las Vegas for the 2022 Whiskey Fest. Robert Mondavi, y'all know him. Everybody knows Robert Mondavi. If you drink wine, you know Robert Mondavi. It's just, I think it's a requirement in the book of drinking wine, knowing Mondavi and Mondavi wines and all that. They're around, they've been around for a long time, and they're very good. Uh, He has good wines, he has bad wines, but he's always, always been around. But he's got himself a lot of people who worked at the winery, Robert Mondavi Winery. It's pretty much every niche that you can find in the wine industry has gotten their start at Mondavi. Um, Warren Winneraski was the founder of Stag Leaps Wine Cellars. Tim Mondavi, he's a wine grown owner and winemaker at Continuum Winery. Uh, Zelma Long, uh, she was the CEO at Semi Winery and owner of Long Vineyards. Uh, Charles Thomas is another owner of Thomas Heisey Vineyards and a partner at Long Table Wines. Paul Hobbs, uh, Genevieve Jansen, Helen Turley, Michael Weiss, uh, Donning Dyer, Richard Arnold, Mike Gergrich, uh, Bob Mueller, Christy Coford, Steve Langer, Steve Levick, uh, Joe Harden. These all people who have owned or founded 
some of the big name wineries in Napa and Sonoma, and they all got their start with Mondavi, Robert Mondavi and Mondavi Winery. And it just it's quite a testament to Robert Mondavi and his piece. Uh, there's the article in the Wine Spectator, the November 30th issue of Wine Spectator, talks about Mondavi and his starts and him and what he did on a fantastic article. Uh, uh, a very, very Italian, Mondavi, very Italian name. But he's uh, quite a man. I had an opportunity to meet him many years ago in California. And he was more than friendly. He, he, he took an interest. He, he gave you this attitude that you were a friend of his. You've you been a friend of his. And he was glad to see you again. It's just this is the type of person he was. I got to talk with him for about 15 minutes one day. I was at Mondavi Winery, and it was quiet, and it was slow, and he happened to be around, and uh, we started to talk. And uh, he was telling me about some of the stuff he, he was making. And, you know, I was, at the time, starting to get really involved with wine. This was way back in the early 70s. And at the time, I really started getting involved with wine, and he actually took some time to talk to it. I guess we talked for 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half hour. I don't don't recall completely, but uh, interesting man, uh, very knowledgeable and quite interesting, and really quite friendly. I have always been a fan of Robert Mondavi. Uh, so, um, if you get get a chance to uh, pick up the November 30th issue of Wine Spectator magazine, there's a the article in there on him is really really fantastic. Speaking of Wine Spectator, they have a a video on their website. Now, I don't know if I, I can click right on it because I subscribe. I don't know if you have to subscribe or what at WineSpectator.com. There is a video. Uh, Ernest Gallo is interviewed by Marvin Shankin. This is from April 1999. Uh, a great, great interview. Uh, Ernest Gallo is one of those names in the wine industry that is synonymous with California wine and this wine itself, uh, Ernest and Julio, uh, multinational brands and recognizable by every wine drinker basically in the world. They, they've been around for a long time, but this interview is so, so interesting. If you get a chance, winespectator.com and see if uh, you can't pull up that interview because it's well worth the time listening to it. And one other thing, one last thing out of the Wine Spectator magazine that I want to share is the Big Smoke. Cigar Fajondo's Big Smoke Las Vegas. Uh, the uh, If you remember a month and a half ago, oh geez, I can't remember, probably more like two months ago now, we had our cigar panel on. We talked about cigars. 
and then Cap came on a couple of weeks after that with his book. And if you have not gotten Cap Kaplowitz's book, then you really should. It's a very interesting read. It's an easy read. He says it's a one-cigar read. I found it was a two-cigar read, not a one-cigar read. But interesting, interesting book. It, it tells you how to have a cigar, how to smoke a cigar, how to enjoy a cigar, how to prep a cigar, and all that. And he also shares some insights to himself and his life. And it's it's well worth the $10. Uh, send him $10 and... Uh, Kaplowitz XYZ, uh, Kaplowitz XYZ, I believe it's a website, and uh, order the book. Send him $10, and he'll send you the book. That includes the postage and the book and everything else. And I believe he signs every one of them, too. He says down and signs. We were joking about the fact that he needs to make himself a stamp, but he says, no, nah, it's more personal if I sign them. But coming up on... Tomorrow and Saturday is the Big Smoke Las Vegas. It is, uh, well, the seminars are sold out on Saturday. Uh, they have uh, one, two, three, four, four seminars coming up on Saturday, and those are sold out. You can't get into those. Uh, the evenings, you can't miss. The general admission evening is $350. Uh, the whole weekend package is sold out. That shows you how big this thing is, how this really goes crazy. Uh, it's at the Resorts World in Las Vegas. 25-plus uh, handmade cigars uh, you get. Uh, you get to ma uh, meet the cigar makers uh, and enjoy some premium spirits and beer. And there's uh, seminars and there's smaller talking and it. Everything. It is a great thing. One of the guys in uh, the group that uh, we, uh, the, the cigar group that was on, one of the guys there, Craig, uh, Cigar Craig, uh, will be at this. He attends this every year, and uh, he says it's a phenomenal event. So if you get an opportunity and you are in the Las Vegas region and Saturday, is the Big Smoke Las Vegas at the Resorts World Las Vegas. So uh, that'd be fun. I'd like to go to something like that. Uh, it would really be interesting to see one of those and all the different cigars. we got a cigar manufacturer here, uh, Newman, uh, down in Ybor City, which is a cigar center uh, before World War II. And they used to do a lot of cigars down there at Ybor City. Y-B-O-R pronounced Ybor. <coughs> so, excuse me, let me get a drink here. My throat's... No wine tonight. I don't know why I don't have wine tonight. Got myself some Dr. Pepper and my engineer usually brings wine in to me, and she didn't do it tonight. So, hmm. I'll have to talk with her about that. Okay. Now, uh, uh, oh, my gosh, look what time. I'm almost. Sin Non Winery. I had that listed here. I don't know why 
it was on my list here, but I had Senku Nanwanmi. Uh, I made a note of it here. I looked it up, and it was like, oh my gosh, why did I? These <laughs> this is a especially boutique winery from Ventura County, California. This is in Southern California, Ventura County, California. And uh, usually Sinquinan, usually SQN is uh, usually abbreviated. But it makes blends of the Rhone grapes. And they've been in operation for nine years or so in Ventura County. But Ventura County is down in Southern California, uh, not noted for outstanding wines. But they have their wines planted uh, in uh, uh, Santa Rita Hills, uh, which is in Santa Barbara County, and also where else? Uh, uh, Oakview, California Lands, uh, Brelton, which is in Santa Barbara County. But the reason I brought this up, I mean, you know, Southern California, okay, great. You expect wines down there to be, you know, fair to Midland, <laughs> but not these. They are charging, and this is what totally knocked my socks off. They're charging anywhere from, well, let me see, the cheapest one that I saw on their list here was $299, no, $369, $369, and they had some of them listed up as high as $2,599.97, $2,600. Uh, here's one for $2,900. You know, this is Southern California. Now, granted, some of these are 1.5 liters, but it's just like, oh my gosh, I would never guess that these wines would sell for that. And Robert Parker of Wine Spectator Magazine fell in love with them. He gives these wines some like 98, 97 point scores. Uh, this one uh, SQN Syrah. 2012 was $2,800. He gave 100 on a score. Uh, so it's like, oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Uh, just want to share that with you. It just it shocked me. I don't don't think I will ever get an opportunity to try one. Just to well, look at this. Here's one for $400. I don't think I will ever get an opportunity to try one because I. I I'm not. I mean, as simple as that. No matter how how easy it is to find and all that, but it's just it's they do ship to Florida and they do deliver to this zip code and all that. But they're just oh my gosh. So, but I just wanted to share that with you. We are on mixcloud.com. If you are looking for archives of our show, go to mixcloud.com. All about wine slice. All about wine, and we are there. Uh, just wanted to let you know that I was looking, looking through stuff the other day, and I found this on Mixcloud. Uh, 
And let's see. Legacy sellers, too. There's another one that uh, I looked up. And this is a great thing here. I wanted to share this with you. In fact, I'll talk about this for a few minutes here. Legacy sellers. This is a site that if you have wine that you don't know what to do with, and, and sure, you drink it, but if you have, uh, if, if a relative has wine or if somebody says that they, you know, don't know what they're going to do with their wine or if you want to get, you can donate it to a charity and it can benefit a charity. That's what Legacy Sellers does. It donates it to it sells the wine and donates your money to a charity. Now, I think the seller also offers to sell wines that people have donated so that they can get money from it. It says that their mission, and their mission is very simple. It says, the Legacy Seller Foundation is a 501 donor-advised fund that will collect collection for charitable purposes. Our mission is to convert wine collections into charitable donations, bringing a previously untapped source of funding to the philanthropic sector, enabling greater positive impact, and ensuring curated wine collections will be enjoyed by future enthusiasts. So, if you do have a collection of wines or know someone who has collection wines or you happen to inherit something or somebody inherits something and you can always do the, the legacy seller foundation and they pass on 100 percent of the proceeds from your wine to the charity they don't keep anything uh typically charities refuse to accept wine because they don't have the capacity or the expertise to liquidated or take care of it or get the right amount out of it and so is what legacy sellers does they will take this and pass on again a hundred percent of the proceeds from your wine will be donated to the charity of your choice and that's really something in itself that's one of the things that caught my eye i think more than anything because so many places where you try to donate wine or things like that or take out a percentage, even if they take out, you know, we only take out 10%. I mean, sure, 10%, when you start giving, you know, wine things to, or wine to charities, 10% can mount up. So, but millions of bottles of wines are being stored in personal shelters and storage facilities. Often these collections are not considered during estate planning. It is the mission to help our clients maximize their giving potential. And that's what they do. They said, determine timing of seller donations at bequest, prior or scheduled combination. Identify causes or specific charities for support. And then their team goes in, conducts wine inventory authentication and liquidation of the seller for donation. And there are lots and lots of places you can donate to. You know, again, tomorrow's Veterans Day. There's lots of veteran groups that could use donations and stuff. So, 
Legacy Sellers. So you can go to LegacySeller.org, L-E-G-A-C-Y-C-E-L-L-A-R.org, LegacySeller.org. If you or someone you know is looking at getting rid of a wine seller, then this is the way to do it. I didn't see anything here on how much of it can be written off. I'm sure it can. I'm sure you can write off probably pretty much the full amount because you're giving it just, it's going to be just like cash, basically, uh, when you end up you know, getting the monies and all that. So that's uh, something. Yeah, I really should. Garth Hodgkin. Hodgson is the director. I really should try to get a hold of him, see if we can't get him on the show. That will be something. Uh, he was he appeared on the movie Psalm, it, it says, for 25 seconds. Um, we'll see if we can't get a hold of him. That's, that's a good thing to do. I'll start working on that. Uh, yeah, there's a website. So I'll see if I can't get a hold of him, get him on the show, and let him tell you all about the about what they do. But legacy sellers, if you're looking for something, uh, you can go to legacy sellers. Uh, let's see, what else do I want to talk about here before we go? I want to talk about. Uh, let's see. Castle Ridge Winery, uh, getting cold outside. They said, come warm up with the Iowa mulled wine, Castle Ridge, Iowa mulled wine. They have an Iowa Nouveau that they come out with every year. So that should be fun. Uh, wine of the week is the 2022 Iowa Nouveau. And as always, they have their gift shops and their dipping oils and uh, all sorts of stuff. There, Tassel Ridge Winery is located in Iowa, southeast Iowa, uh, southeast of of uh, Des Moines, close to Pella, Iowa, and Oskaloosa, so right around that area. But a uh, fun time of year. I visit them this time of year, and it is uh, really a nice winery. They got. The leaves are all changing on the vineyards and stuff, and it really looks pretty cool. So, Castle Ridge, we've talked about them many times before. If you are a winery and you want me to talk about you, send me your emails. I will be more than happy to mention you on All About Wine and let you know or let people know what you're doing and what you're up to and all that. Uh, no charges or anything for that. It just trying to promote wineries out there. Okay. Uh, E&J Gallo has acquired Dinner Vineyards in Paso Ropos ABA. Another one that they have gobbled up. They are very good at that. And they're so big, they actually walk in and say, I'll give you a price you can't refuse. And people can't refuse it, and they sell. I mean... A lot of times it includes them staying on, though. That's one thing about 
NJ Gallo, you know, your wine is now ours, and the little corner of your label will say, you know, a division of NJ Gallo, but you're still doing everything, which is cool of them. I mean, uh, and here's a, a, a blog that appeared that says, does biodynamic farming improve wine? And it, it's funny because they had different people weigh in on this blog and different people talk about it. And it was like half of one, half of the other to say farming of the future is uh, biodynamic. But uh, it's uh, a lot of work. And they said it does sort of make superior wines if you want to spend the effort and time to do it as a grower and as a winemaker. And the people that they talked to said, yeah, we can tell the difference. <sighs> okay, good. I, I'm i still out on that. I've never tried a biodynamic wine next to one that was not biodynamic to really see. Uh, but, you know, I mean, well, here you go. You see a UCLA analysis of 74,000 reviews from wine magazines found that biodynamic farming has a, quote, small but significant positive effect on wine quality. Okay. So, okay, good. It's, uh, I, I, I'm still out on it. Although I, you know, I think biodynamic is cool and it's a good way to do it, but there's, uh, it's, it's here to stay. Uh, it's going to be around, and I think you're going to start seeing more and more biodynamic. So, you know, uh, interesting because they're talking about it more and more and more. And just because they're talking about it, it's going to cause it to become more mainstream, and we're going to start seeing more of it. You, the, the sad thing is that you can't just go to a wine shop and say, I would like some biodynamic wine, please. And they say, oh, section four, aisle three. You, you, you don't do that because there's not enough of it out there. And a lot of times I notice, and I've been out trying to find some biodynamic wines to buy, purchase, drink. The problem is that you... It doesn't say so. It doesn't say that it's biodynamic. I, it's almost like it's a a secret. I don't get a lot of it. I've been to wine shops, and I said, do you have biodynamic wine? And they'll point me toward the, the organic section, and I'll have to look at every one of the labels. If they do have an organic section, I'll have to look at every one of the labels and see if any of them have a biodynamic uh, sticker on it, or not sticker, but a biodynamic symbol. And that's it. Or if they don't have an organic section, you have to go through and look at labels, like everywhere, to try to find it. So that's one of the things with biodynamic now. It's not. It's catching on. It's out there, but it's not really mainstream enough that... It's uh, an area that liquor stores, well, at least down here. I, I I may be mistaken in your area. I may be mistaken in, in other parts of the country. But at least down here, it's not something that you're seeing a lot of or 
mainstream. It's just sort of like hidden. And I think that's sad because, you know, if you're going to go to all that effort to make a biodynamic wine, get it out there so people can try it and taste it and love it. Okay. Well, it's 8 o'clock and I've rattled on about things. I actually have rattled on more about wine labels than anything else, but it's still a, a sticky point with me, wine labels. I don't particularly think we need to do it, and I've already expressed that in no uncertain terms, but uh, we'll see. I don't think I have a guest next week. What's coming up next week? Next week is November the 17th. I don't think so, unless I schedule one, which is there is a possibility that I can get one. I've been talking to people. Excuse me. I've been talking to people. Two weeks from now is Thanksgiving. We will not have a show then. Uh, on Thanksgiving, uh, family always gets together, and we always get together in the afternoon, early evening. So that forgoes having a show, and we don't get together here. Because if we did, I would probably sneak into the den here and do the show. But we're not even here. So two weeks, no show. Next week, I don't know if we're going to have a guest or not. Well. But uh, we do have one on December 1st in three weeks. So that's coming up. And, oh, come on, where's my page here? Yeah, there we go. Uh, Jody is going to be on December 1st, and then Jen is going to be on December the 8th. So we got two weeks in December starting out where we're going to have guests. Okay. Uh, that's it for tonight. We are finished with uh, the November 10th episode of All About Wine. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to archives and to live shows if you listen live. Thank you. Uh, we're not on Facebook. Use is the one that hooks up to Facebook and all the other uh, channels that we do it. I, I know... Uh, cloud, the mixed cloud is picking sub because I went and checked and it was on there, but it's not on the others, which is too bad because I we get a lot of listeners to that stuff, but we pop up on other things also. So keep listening. Thank you for listening. And if you have an opinion on labels, on wine bottles, you know, email me. I would love to see what you have to say about it. And we will see you next week on All About Wine. Be safe out there. Don't drink and drive. And uh, drink lots of wine. We'll see you next week. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.